Hi, this is Shotgun Tom Kelly, and now that I have your attention, you wanted to be close to him in the dugout during his impressive 15-year major league career because he was always watching, listening, and looking for an edge. Now, Kurt Bavakwa brings that edge to Dirty Kurt's dugout, where you can listen, watch, and be a part of the most honest, informative baseball show available today. Now, here's Kurt! Well, the 19... 19... I need to get out of the 19th century and get into the 2000s, maybe. The 2021 baseball season is over. And the Atlanta Braves are the 2021 world champions. I'd like to congratulate them. I know they're hearing a lot of it today. As a matter of fact, just talked to somebody that I know in Florence, Italy. And he told me that he's seen plenty of Braves memorabilia in Florence today. That's pretty awesome. All the way over in Italy, Braves fans are wearing Brave stuff. That's pretty cool. Well, welcome to show number 10. I am Kurt Babakwe, and you are watching Dirty Kurt's Dugout, brought to you by Hacienda Casablanca. It's a nice place to... You know, you can get just about everything there. And when we're doing watch parties and live shows from there, you can basically get everything. But uh, proprietor Cindy and uh, Tony Gomez, um, I thank them for their support. Uh, They're out in El Cajon, California, which is a little east of San Diego. As a matter of fact, the first town I ever lived in when I moved to San Diego when I got traded here. Um, and that was because those were the first lights that I saw after, uh, driving across country with the U-Haul. Mm-hmm. I was going to stop first lights and I did at least first lights when I hit San Diego County. So show number 10, you know, we were going to hold a watch party tonight, Hacienda. Seventh game of the world series. Decides it all. But we didn't get there. I was kind of expecting it to happen, uh, especially after Houston uh, beat uh, Atlanta in, uh, in game five back in uh, at Truist Park in, uh, in Atlanta. And I know a lot of the fans down in Georgia wanted that World Series to, uh, to end that night in Atlanta, but it was um, it was not to be. But instead, Braves took it to him last night. Not just not a good offense. Um, the Houston Astros struggled quite often uh, during the postseason, sporadically, which I found a little strange, but. You know what? Good pitching is going to get two hit, a good hit now. That's all there is to it. Uh, that's what happened last night. I think the turning point in the whole game was the Houston Astros half of the first inning. How Max Fried stayed in that game after getting stepped on by Brantley going down to first base is still – Blows me away. If you watch that on TV, you would have sworn he might have broken his ankle. But instead, he stays in the game, blows away the next three hitters, and it was all Braves, really, from that time on. I mean, the next couple of innings were scoreless, but as soon as uh, that slider was hung to Solaire, boy, what bad, bad, bad p- 
pitch selection. That was. You throw that kid out over the plate, and he's going to get the barrel of the bat out in front and pull the ball. But if you pitch him inside, and especially up, he's got a place there that you can pitch to him. Hey, by the way, I just uh, I just looked up at the right-hand side of my screen where the comments are, and I want to remind you all to join in because we're live on Facebook. Uh, we're live on YouTube. So if you go to my Facebook page, if you're watching on YouTube, go to my first uh, Facebook page and let's communicate back and forth with one another because um, – I've been having it out a couple of different times in the last uh, couple of days being myself with social media types that don't understand what I posted uh, and are just so far off to one side or another. I'm not going to say left or right because I don't know their political stance, but uh, they're so far off on the analytical side of things that they're completely missing what I was trying to say, because I, you know, I added analytics my ass when I saw them throw breaking balls to Solaire and that at bat with Freddie Freeman on deck. Let's call call it like it is, and he was in a perfect position in that at bat to do what he did. But not once did the Houston Astros, and boy, Dusty went crazy in the dugout. So I don't know if they went against the advanced scouting plan, the advanced uh, scouting report, or if they just didn't do something the way Dusty wanted it done. Because as soon as that ball was hit, everybody in the ballpark knew it was gone. I mean, it was it was gone. <laughs> the kid can hit the ball a long way. But hanging sliders go a long way. I promise you, I've been there. So Hacienda Casablanca over in El Cajon, 700 North Johnson. Uh, we're going to be there throughout the course of the winter uh, at times. Uh, doing the show. We'll be doing remotes from there uh, because we're going to uh, keep you updated on what's going on. Uh, not only here at Carlsbad, where they're having a general manager meeting starting next week, but also with what's happening in the bargaining agreement arena. Um, the CBA Five years, they signed him for five years. The one that was signed back in 16 is up in 27 days. They need to have a new basic agreement agreed to or else it's going to upset the apple cart. And when I say the up, upset the apple cart, the owners can freeze things out Uh it will keep free agents from being moved, signed. I think that's probably the plan of Rob Manfred in this ownership, these ownership groups, because they're not just doing it one in one. The, trust me, that's not happening. They're doing it as a group. They're communicating. They're talking, even though you're not allowed to do that. But owners proved, starting with Bud, Bud Selig, and Manfred was under him. When collusion happened. So he knows what's going on. There's a lot of rules that have been broken in baseball in the last 30, 40 years, some people punished more harshly than others, which is very quizzical in my mind. 
as to the laws of the state, let's call it. How can the laws be so open that if you committed a crime in Texas, the commissioner could basically give you any sentence that he sees fit. He's not binded to what the laws of Texas are, which is the way it should be. And the reason I'm kind of mentioning this is because I want to talk about a couple of people that were overlooked last night. And the reason they were is because they've been run over by the bus purposely. Not that they didn't do anything wrong, because they did. But the two architects of the two teams that played in this year's World Series are nowhere to be found. Well, you can probably find them if you look hard enough. Jeff Ludnow, who I'll get to in a minute, uh, is rumored to be involved in a Mexican soccer team, possibly. But John Copalella, who basically is the guy that put that Braves team together. Not to take anything away from the reigning general manager there, who's out on COVID, by the way. But Copalella, if you don't know, haven't heard, resigned from his duties as general manager of Atlanta Braves back in 2015 for committing amateur signing infractions. Given money where it shouldn't have gone, so that it helped with the Braves to stay under a certain cap and don't tell me it's not being done somehow with other teams. There are 18 complexes in the Dominican Republic owned by 18 different major league franchises. Don't tell me the Atlanta Braves are the only ones doing this. Capilella resigns. Then two years later, he receives a lifetime ban from Commissioner Rob Manfred. Gone. 40 years old. Gone from a profession that he had been in since he was 22 years old. Not saying he shouldn't have got punished. That's not the point. I'll get to my point in a minute. But he's the guy that signed Acuna and Albies. He traded for Freed and Swanson. This guy basically put that entire roster together with the exception of the guys that Alex picked up before the trading deadline this summer, which he did a great job because Acuna goes out. He goes out and gets Solaire. He signed Jock Peterson. He did a heck of a job. He really did. But when you talk about Ian Anderson, mentor, Austin Riley, all drafted while Copalella was in, in his position or a position of management with the Atlanta Braves. 
why can't you err on the adjustment side of things? And I'm talking about the commissioner. And by adjustment side of things, I mean, if you give a guy a two-year ban and when those two years are up, you're, you leave it out there that you're going to revisit. Then you have the option of seeing what's going on. What else was found out? Who came forward that didn't come forward? Instead of hitting this guy with a lifetime ban, driving him out of the game, the only thing that he knows in life, with very little, if no, adjustment options. Ask Pete Rose. It's hard to back off a lifetime ban. And then there's Jeff Ludnow. Remember him? He's suspended for one year in the Astros cheating scandal. One year. Well, four years later, he's still out of the game. And if you don't think this game's political, just hold on for a second. There are some front office people that still say to this day that Ludnow knew nothing about the cheating scandal. That Joey Coyer was the architect. He was a coach. Went on to manage the Boston Red Sox. But they say now knew nothing about it. And you know what? I never saw Jack McKeon down in the runway nor do I ever see any of the major league team's general managers down in the runway in camera's view or before the game, after the game, naturally before the game, they might be going back and forth. But always, by the time the game starts, they're gone. That's when all of this bucket banging went on after the game started. None of the players were punished, except one. I'll get to him in a minute. But there was plenty of punishment to go around to the manager who was in the dugout and had to hear it, A.J. Hinch, We all know he's gainfully employed by the Detroit Tigers. Alex Cora was coaching. He had to hear it. After that faithful season in 2017, Alex Cora went on to become manager of the Boston Red Sox, who were accused of cheating in 2018. The same year that the Boston Red Sox won, Alex Cora was the manager. Alex Cora got banned from the game for a year. Went back to Congress. And sat out a year. Probably killed him. A.J. Hinch sat out a year. Jeff Ludnow and John Coppolella, they're gone. They're gone. And what about that player that I mentioned? Carlos Beltran. 
the player that was good friends with Joey Cora because they're both from Puerto Rico. And trust me, those guys stick together. They watch each other's back. It's the way it should be. But in this situation, they had everybody else giving it up and throwing them under the bus to make them the culprits in this deal or the head honchos in bringing this idea forward, Cora and Beltron. Beltron, who had just been named the manager of the New York Mets, who incidentally are looking for a manager. Why couldn't they go back to Beltron? Boston went back to Cora. I don't know the answers to these things, and I know you don't either. I'm just bringing them up because they're food for thought. They're food for thought to probably get a little more upset with the upper management at Major League Baseball than you probably already are. Because if last night is any indication... When Rob Manfred went down on the field to hand out the commissioner's trophy, which is the World Series trophy, the thing that all players strive for, he was soundly booed. If they would have won that game in Atlanta, the booing would have been epic, if that's the right adjective. Because you know he's not well-liked in Atlanta because of the All-Star Game fiasco last year. So I bring up Lou now, and I bring up John Coppolella, and I bring up Carlos Beltran, because of something that I found out that kind of leaked a couple of weeks ago in that it was said that Ludnow's name was rumored to be brought up by A-Rod when he was consulting with him during his negotiation period, you remember when him and J-Lo were trying to buy the Mets? Well, it was rumored that in their pursuit, they had consulted with Ludnow, and it was a death blow going forward. Because of Ludnow's name. Why is this guy getting punished? And why is Coppolella, or why did he get punished? Much, much more than other people involved in the same scandals. I don't understand it. But I do understand one thing. The commissioner has too much leeway in what he can do. And if the Players Association doesn't stay firm on giving him more, they're going to run into some big problems in the next 30 days. Not that they've already haven't seen it. Because this thing should be almost put together now. It's been five years. Sure, they had to negotiate a COVID package, which resulted in a reduced number of games that they played, where they were going to play them. I mean, it was difficult, 
but the bottom line became money. The 2020 season was lost entirely financially with the exception of a portion of monies due to the owners by the TV networks, money that they got from MLBAM that comes in unreported. So they lost some money. There's no doubt. The players lost some money, upwards of 50%, possibly 60, somewhere between 40 and 60 of what they would normally have made. So going forward, 2022, everybody's looking forward to it because it will be a complete season. as far as butts in the seats, the turnstiles, attendance, any form of financial gain that a Major League Baseball team can make going forward in 2022 will be hopefully rid of COVID. But what's going to happen to the free agents of the world? What's going to happen in this next collective bargaining agreement? It, this collective bargaining agreement, in my mind, as important as they all were, is the most important collective bargaining agreement in the history of the game of baseball. Because I think the owners have positioned themselves to chip away a little bit more at that mountain that the Players Association has built. They're gradually taking back some of it and they want the players association to give up more in the next few episodes, we will go over all of that stuff. As a matter of fact, 4th, 11th, 18th is going to be our next show. The 18th of November, I will be doing some live spots on that to let you know. I'll follow up with it. But just keep in mind that it's going to be the 18th. If you have any questions about or comments, for that matter, about anything uh, that I've said so far, um, disagreement or not. Uh, I don't have a hard time with you to scream. Um, tell me about it. Tell me about it. In the meantime, uh, the Padres are hoping that magic dust is following Bob Melvin down from the Bay Area down to San Diego, where the weather is sure a hell of a lot nicer. Um, he's still going to be on the Bay. But it's going to be the San Diego version uh, overlooking the Coronado Bridge down at Petco. And uh, I think Bob Melvin's going to be uh, a lot happier, at least I think, hope so, that he's going to be a lot happier than he was in Oakland. I tell you what, how A.J. Preller pulled this off, I don't know. I mean, short of sneaking into Melvin's house in the middle of the night and just kidnapping him, and bringing him out and saying, I'm not letting you go until you agree to do this. And, of course, at least I believe it to be the case. Uh, you have to get permission from the Oakland A's in order to do that, um, to talk to a manager that's under contract 
So Bob Melvin was signed, or the option was taken up by the Oakland A's for Bob Melvin's contract in 2022. So probably somewhere in the vicinity of three and a half, four million dollars a year. He's been there 11 years. That's a long time. I mean, you're going to get, you would think, incremental, uh, some incremental adjustments in your salary as the years go on. And uh, especially when you win the Western Division of the American League, like the Oakland A's did for several seasons. Um, They've been in the postseason quite often. Um, Bob is uh, a three-time manager of the year. Um, He was a world champion uh, when he was over in Arizona uh, coaching uh, for the Diamondbacks. And, you know, this, this guy knows his stuff. And you know what I like about him? Even though I didn't like the fact that uh, A.J. Preller never talked to Bruce Bochy. I didn't like that they didn't talk to Bochy. I would have liked to have found out what that conversation was about and how interested they really were they never talked to my knowledge. They never talked to Showalter. They certainly didn't talk to Ron Washington because he was coaching in the World Series and throughout uh, the playoffs. There were a couple of guys. One of them is not a happy camper, and that's Ozzie Guion. And you know, as a matter of fact, there's a target for an upcoming show. Because Ozzy's not a happy man. He thinks that coming out here and auditioning for the general manager's chair was a bunch of bull. And these are not his words. But I guess I could say his words if I knew exactly what they are, but I've got a pretty good idea. Mike Schilt was sat down with out here. But the big three that people talked about because of what's happened in San Diego for the last six years or so. Bochi was thrown out there. Show Walter was thrown out there. And Ron Washington was thrown out there. You know, Ron Washington's uh, problems that he had back in 2009, 2010, which have been taken care of, were certainly brought up. I'm not saying by the Padres. I'm just talking about in the media. Um, The fact as to whether or not Boach wanted to come back here, would he want to? It seemed logical that Showalter and Machado, with their history, would be a good fit. Maybe that's what poo-pooed it. Maybe people assume that just because somebody managed a baseball team and a guy played as good as Manny Machado played for the Baltimore Orioles for a number of years, that they were cool. They might have hated each other. I don't think so. But we don't know the answer to that. Will we get all the answers? Probably not. Nobody's going to delve into it. Besides, you don't find out anything about the Padre organization. I mean, why was Mike D fired? Exactly. Speculate. That's all you can do. 
So Ruben Niabla is the new pitching coach. Bob Melvin is the new manager. He wore number six up in Oakland for a long time. He's not going to wear number six here in San Diego. You know, I love Garve. Everybody knows that. But every time I see him doing a Dodger thing, it bugs me. It bugs me because I see number six up in the catacombs of center field at Petco, along with 31 and 35. And there's probably another one that I can't think of. Uh, Winfield and Jones. Oh, 51, Trevor. Doesn't make sense. I think Garve should be in the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. If the Padres wanted to retire his number after he was elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame, fine. But if a number six needs to be retired, it should be up in Los Angeles. Just me. Talking about for a friend. (laughs) All right. We're talking about cheating. The Astro scandal, the fact that Boston did it. How some punishments are over the top. And others, some people think, aren't harsh enough. How did all the players get away with this? Because they sat and spilled their guts? Or said, yeah, I'm sorry, we did it. Why was Cardinals Beltran blamed more than Joey Cora? which seems to be the case because Beltron's without a job and Joey Cora is probably making a couple of million dollars in Boston. And again, not that he doesn't deserve it. But why Joey Cora and not Carlos Beltron? Why does it seem like Jeff now is blackballed from the game of baseball when his name is even, gets brought up as a consultant for A-Rod, who's interested in buying the Mets, and purely speculation, but it came from a fairly reliable source. Do you remember where A-Rod and, and, and uh, what's your face? Doesn't matter anymore, but J-Lo, um, they've got enough money. They had enough money. They got enough money to buy the Mets. Um, they, they might be trying to figure out what to do with it now, but if they did buy them, but how do you – All of a sudden, I know people fall out of negotiations, but you just had a team that was purchased, headed by Derek Jeter, the Miami Marlins, and then you've got another huge name in the game. Are you trying to keep him out of the game, or are you trying to keep Ludnow out of the game, or both? Again, are you going overboard with the punishments? I don't get the Beltron thing. I really don't. But the thing that upsets me the most 
is that there's been cheating going on in Major League Baseball. I mean, out in the open cheating. That is illegal. I'm not talking about sign stealing or catching up the ke- uh, catching the catcher signals and relaying them to the hitter. That's not cheating, folks. We're going to argue till we're both blue in the face on that one. It's not cheating. That's all there is to it. Now, is sitting with a computer and being able to zoom in on the catcher signs re- quickly relaying signals to right outside the dugout, banging on a trash can so the hitter can hear it? It's stupid. That's cheating. Not relaying a sign from second base as a base runner. And speaking of base runners, we're going to get the coach's corners in a minute. Not corners, but corner. But let me tell you something about cheating. And I started to say it's been going on in baseball for a long time. And you know it still is. Because we were all cheated the other night. And when I say you all, I'm talking about fans of baseball. We were cheated because of where baseball is now. We were cheated at the possibility of seeing immortality. I bet you there's not one of you out there that hasn't seen the image of Yogi Berra jumping in Don Lawson's arms after he threw a perfect game in the 1956 World Series. There's only been one no-hitter thrown in a World Series game. I'm not saying Ian Anderson would have thrown a no-hitter. But you know what I am saying? He damn well should have given me given a chance. And I know Brian Snicker took him out of the game, and he's the man of the hour now. He managed the world champion, Atlanta Braves, to a World Series championship, of which he'll be forever known as a World Series champion. You cannot take that away from him. But he took a kid out of a game that had thrown 75 pitches, was going into the sixth inning, and hadn't given up a hit yet. We got robbed. We got robbed not by Brian Snicker, not by the Atlanta Braves, certainly not Ian Anderson or the pitcher they brought in from the bullpen. We got robbed by baseball. Because they're not going to need to be a starting a role for a starting pitcher anymore. I mean, the Dodgers proved it this year. They took Scherzer and Urias and put him in the bullpen. Stupidly, by the way. But they did it. How do you take a guy that won 20 games for your team and not start him in game five of the National League Division Series? Instead, sending down word to your manager that you're going to start a bullpen arm. And more power to him. Dave Roberts announcing to the world that this was not my decision. <laughs> you know what? I don't blame him. And I certainly hope that the front office gave him permission to do that and that he didn't get in trouble for doing that. Because it's well known now that the lineups, who's pitching, comes down from upstairs almost every game. And that's got me worried here in San Diego as to how deeply entrenched 
is Bob Melvin in the analytical analytical part of the game. I'm good with analytics. But there are decisions that a major league manager makes based on gut throughout the course of baseball games. Every game, maybe not. But throughout the course of games. Again, we're going to argue that until we're blue in the face. Coach's corner. And while Allen puts up the the little question that I have for you, remember the things that I told you to keep in mind throughout the course of this winter leading up until the uh, collective bargaining agreement is signed or not signed, however you want to look at it. I say it doesn't get signed. I think the owners are going to do that for positioning because it's going to keep down free agents signing numbers. All of you Astro fans and Carlos Correa fans out there, you better hope that the Players Association loses big time in its negotiations with MLB because if they did, it probably means that they've extended it out. The owners probably locked the players out, and that's going to keep salaries down. It's going to keep movement of free agents down because that's the only way that the Houston Astros are going to be able to keep Carlos Correa. They're not going to pay him what's reported that he'll be asking for is in the vicinity of $400 million. The Houston Astros can't afford that. They're not going to pay Carlos Correa $400 million, period. If the Yankees step up, if the Dodgers step up, I don't know what the Dodgers are going to do with Corey Seager. It's going to be a very interesting winter when it comes to free agent movement and when it comes to what is bargained in the new CBA. Last week, if you remember, I asked all you coaches out there, because I know there are a lot of you listening, what part of the bag do you teach your kids to hit when they're running the bases? When I ask that question, when I talk to different groups, I get a lot of... I don't know. They don't come out and say it, but they don't have to. And I'll tell you why I know that. Because most of these guys are volunteers. They all deserve a round of applause. But coaches, if you don't know something, ask. If you don't know something, look it up. If you see two or three different answers, then talk to people about it. Or go to somebody that you trust that's going to be able to provide you with the right answer. What part of the bag do you teach your kids to hit? Well, starting last week, all the coaches that listen to this show, this show Dirty Kurtz Dugout, brought to you by Hacienda Casablanca in El Cajon, know that the part of the bag to hit is the lower left-hand corner with you, the runner's right foot. When you're out there next time with your kids, Just run around the bases in slow time. Not even run around the bases. Round the base. In slow time. 
Now, until you get, this is not something that's going to happen overnight. Until you get the stutter step a couple of feet from the base, in order for you to hit that base with your right foot, which is going to catapult you to your left, and you need to hit that lower left-hand corner. You will see what I'm talking about when you go out and try this. If you're going full bore and you're running down the first base, you want to hit the beginning of the base. You've seen these bang-bang plays. I know you don't have replay in Little League or high school baseball or whatever the case may be up until the time you get to the big leagues. The umpires are making split-second decisions, and if they see people hitting the base properly, you've got a chance to be safe opposed to out. The thing I want to ask you about this week is what base do you think you should get the best jump as a base runner? What is the most important base? to get a good jump as a base runner. I have sat for years and I've watched both my sons, all three of my sons actually, take batting practice and then take a jaunt around the bases. And until I told them not to come home, if they continue to run around the bases like that, did they change? Because nobody was teaching them. When you get through with your eight swings, 10 swings, whatever it is, you've got plenty of time to do this little drill. You run down the first, you take your turn, and then you stop. You wait for the hitter to do whatever he's going to do with the first pitch from the batting practice pitcher. It used to be we followed a regiment. Doesn't seem to be that way anymore. So what I'm saying is you go to first, you take your lead, and you respond to what the hitter does that first pitch. As you would in a game. You take your lead at first, if the batter hits a ground ball, you're gone. You get the best break you can possibly get. And you go down a second. If you see a ball that's been hit between short and third in the 5-5 five, five hole, or to right field between first and second, you break down the first or down the second base and make your turn. And then you stop at second, and you do the same thing. And play little drills with yourself. And coaches, play little drills with your teams. There's no outs. Tie game. Doesn't even matter if it's a tie game. There's no outs. If a ball's hit to the left side of the infield, you're a base runner on second, and there's a ground ball hit, you can't break until you see the ball go through. Because you don't want to get thrown out of third. If the ball's not hit on the ground, what are you going to do? Whether you're on first or second or third, we'll get there in a minute. Fly ball, you either tag or go halfway. A line drive, you have to freeze. Or better yet, if you know it's going to be caught, you just go back to your previous base. These are the things you work on when you're rounding the bases after you've hit. And then when you're hitting, there's somebody doing the same thing. Your team becomes 
better base runners. Now, the most important base to get a good jump at as a base runner is one that we haven't gotten to yet, and that's third. And I'll tell you why. You've seen all how infields play with a runner at third base. They either play a normal infield or they play the infield in. There are many times that the coach is going to tell you it's a contact play. What contact play means is that you're going on anything hit. Barring hopefully a line drive right at somebody. So a ball hit on the ground, you're, break, you're breaking home. Mookie Betts won the World Series for the Los Angeles Dodgers last year, being able to get good jumps off of third base and scored a couple of times when he should have gotten thrown out. Nine out of ten other players would have got, wouldn't have got, wouldn't have made it to home and would have gotten thrown out. Mookie Betts was the exception. I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you talk to Mookie Betts, I guarantee you that it's not something that just comes natural. He had to work on that. There's certain instincts that come natural in the game. These are some of the things that you have to work on. So I ask all you coaches out there and players, if you're listening, to work on these things. Coaches, it makes you sound smart if you pass this information on. So next show, November 18th, we're going to delve into where they are in the collective bargaining agreement. We're going to talk about what happened this upcoming week at the general manager's meeting here in Carlsbad. I really don't know basically what they're going to talk about other than business as usual if there's a season next year. It's in jeopardy, folks. I hate to tell you that. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, just like I hate to tell the Houston fans that Carlos Correa will not be back in Houston in an Astros uniform next year because the Houston Astros could not afford him if he's going to ask for $400 million. And I would imagine his agent, who incidentally is A-Rod, a company A-Rod owns is Carlos Correa's agency to negotiate his upcoming free agent contract. He's going to get big money. I think if the owners don't hold salaries down in free agency and they're doing it very intelligently. So let's keep an eye out for that until the 18th. I will see you periodically on Facebook lives. I will let you know the time. I will let you know everything else that's going on. But until then, I want to thank Alan I want to thank Cindy and Tony Gomez over at Hacienda Casablanca. Uh, we will be back there soon because we promised a watch party in the seventh game of the World Series that never made it. What are you going to do? We thought it was going to go seven, but it didn't. So don't miss a show. Don't miss a part of Dirty Kurtz Dugout. You can listen uh, anytime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, read it along the bottom. And of course, we go live on Facebook and YouTube. I want to thank everybody uh, for taking the time to listen. Um, I want to get more communique back and forth between you folks. I get a lot of communication on social media. Trust me. 
So I want to get it back from you where we can have at least an intelligent conversation. Not that it's not intelligent at times on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook for that matter. But until next time, this is Kurt Pavacqua saying goodbye, everybody. Again, Hacienda Casablanca out in El Cajon, the place to go for outstanding Mexican food and drink. We'll see you next time, folks. Bye.